looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. And great to be back with you folks on Past the Post. It's Sunday, July 30, and uh, of course, great to have Archer Park Racing back with us as well. They'll be with us right through the spring. Of course, the spring not too far away. Still a month of winter to go. But it feels like spring, and uh, as every Sunday goes by, we'll start seeing horses reappearing as they they start to limber up for their, their big campaigns during the months of September, October, November. Ben Dorries is with me. He'll be with me right through the spring as well. Good morning, Ben. How are you? Yeah, good morning, David. Uh, great to be back. Uh, I was down the Gold Coast yesterday for their annual Men Matter Race Day, Charity Race Day, which was another terrific uh, event so I'm coming to you fresh off that actually but it was a good day of racing the one downside I thought which we will get to later the Mooney Valley track wasn't it an absolute shocker uh, one thing to have uh, biased racing but that was borderline ridiculous I think yeah it was and we'll talk about that later it was a it became apparent very early in the day and just when you think sometimes ch- things change as the, as the meeting goes on it didn't and uh it was it was pretty disappointing. Just tell us about uh, we've got a bit of time up our sleeve. Tell us about yesterday. Uh, obviously, a good crowd in attendance. Heard Mitch Banners calling the action there. He said there was a great crowd there. And money wise, did they raise good money for the for the charity race day? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. I'm actually staying at the chairman's place, Brett Cook. I'll tell you when he wakes up. He might have had a few <laughs> drinks last night. <laughs> Look, the the money generally takes uh, a while to get counted, so we'll probably know in the next 24 hours. But all indications are. Uh, you know, huge amount of money raised. Uh, there was a car raffled, all sorts of things. Carl Stefanovic did a great job um, as MC. And look, the one thing I've noticed with this day too, David, I mean, it's called sort of Men Matter and it's about raising money for, for, for men's uh, charities, health charities. But the first year, it was a very, very male crowd in the room. Uh, second year, more females. Yesterday, I tell you what, there was a lot of ladies, women, girls. Uh, they were embracing it too. So that that was great to see. So while you've sort of got the you know, the men tag on it, it, it certainly <laughs> it's certainly inclusive of women. That the girls there yesterday dressed up in their finery and had a bloody magnificent day, David. So it was terrific. There's been many racing stories over the past week, and we'll discuss a lot of that tomorrow in press room when you join me. But one story that has been ongoing over the last week is this. This uh, really great battle between Jimmy Orman in Queensland, or from Queensland, and Aaron Bullock from New South Wales, striving to be the Australia's leading jockey, the national title. It's not often something that, that gains a lot of attention because often there's a, a, a you know comfortable winner. Not the case this time around. They have been going neck and neck, day by day. Uh, people have really been getting involved in it. Unfortunately, from Queensland point of view or Jimmy's point of view, the odds are now against him because yesterday... He had eight rides at Eagle Farm and three in Toowoomba and uh, didn't get on the board. Aaron Bullock had uh, six rides at Newcastle out of the eight races. He ran the last two winners, which means he's now two and a half wins ahead of Orman. Now, they go head-to-head today. Uh, Bullock's at Musselbrook, six rides from seven races. Orman goes to the Sunshine Coast, and this is his last go, last throw of the dice, because there's no racing in southeast or in Queensland anywhere. On Monday, he's got seven rides today from eight races, but Bullock gets the chance to go to Wellington tomorrow with a full book there. So he's two and a half clear, Bullock, and it's going to take a big, big effort by Jimmy today to, well, firstly, level that and then get ahead and then hope hope that Bullock doesn't win a race. Yeah, well, I did a, a quick count this morning, David. I think over the next two days, inclusive, obviously, as you mentioned, Jimmy's not riding on Monday, I think... Uh, Bullock has got five more rides in total uh, at this stage. This is, you know, obviously before scratchings, but perhaps tomorrow and whatever. So, look, Jimmy's two and a half behind already and has five less rides over the next two days. So, look, y- y- I've got to say you'd have, you know, Aaron Bullock probably a dollar ten uh, at the moment. It's interesting, Brett Kavanagh, um, you know, the country trainer, the provincial trainer in New South Wales, put out a tweet last week, and I think everyone thought it was true. In fact, I did that uh, Jimmy Orman would be going to Wellington, the, the, the bush meeting in New South Wales, to ride on Monday. Uh, but unfortunately, it wasn't true. I'll tell you what, if I was James Orman and I really wanted to win this premiership, I probably would have tried to get a few rides at Wellington. <laughs> don't exactly know how you get there from Brisbane, but uh would have been a fun adventure anyway. The national title would be the icing on the cake, but he's our Metro Premier jockey again. And of course, he takes the state premiership, but he's done 
uh, exceptionally well, uh, sitting there on 199.5 wins. It'd be good if he could at least get one today at the Sunshine Coast and get over that 200 mark, which Bullock's already done. They're both good guys. They're both hard workers, and um, they've both been rewarded for their their efforts over the past season. But uh, they can be only one winner, unless it's a dead heat, which is not beyond the realms of possibility, but it looks as though it's going to be Aaron Bullock. We'll talk more about that on Press Room tomorrow. But uh, racing right around Australia yesterday, we're going to dissect and discuss. Let's go to Eagle Farm firstly, the last Metro meeting of the season. We'll go to Ray Sadem. Black on Beauty was an easing favourite here. Good money for RNT. Coco Rocks in front. Black on Beauty striding boldly alongside of it. Then Avalon, Enterprise Palmer. Hatchet's trying to run on. And Ralphie coming right down the outside. RNT with work to do. Black on Beauty beat off. Coco Rocks now has to withstand challenges from Enterprise Palmer. Hatchet driving through. And Ralphie on the outside. Black on Beauty has a slender lead. 50 metres to go. Hatchet is trying hard as they reach the line. Fano, Black on Beauty trying to hold on from Hatchet. Then Ralphie and Enterprise Palmer. Great finish. Good gap then to Coco Rocks, followed by RNT, who never got into the picture. Then Goldsboro, Rocamore, Avalante. This land is my land, and Ren's Day last over the line. Yes, it was a busy finish uh, with only heads and necks separating the first four over the line, but the verdict went to Black on Beauty by a short head over Hatchet, and then close up Ralphie with Enterprise Pom. The race didn't end there, it went to the stewards' room when Ben Thompson, who rode Hatchet, protested against Black on Beauty. Let's talk about that and a lot more with our first guest this morning, our Premier Trader, once again for the 10th year in a row on the Metro scene, Tony Gollan. Tony, thanks for your time. Always appreciate it. Yeah, good morning, Dave. Ben's with us as well. Now, I, I want you to just take me through this. I was fortunate to run into you after the last race yesterday because, <laughs> <laughs> because well, the two reasons. One, I, I backed Hatchet. And two, when I watched the replay, I watched it several times, head on and lateral, I thought the protest might be upheld. You explained to me... And I thought very convincingly why you felt it wouldn't be upheld. And I know you're the trainer of Black on Beauty, but just take our listeners through that because you provided quite a bit of insight. Well, really, at the end of the day, it was a 50 50 call when we were in there, depending on what the stewards really felt. But I just didn't feel that Ben Thompson really stopped riding. He was able to alter his line quite quickly. There's no doubt that she came out and took his rightful line, but he was able to alter his line. I wasn't. Totally convinced he established a run there. He could alter his line without losing any momentum. He never stopped riding until he wanted to near the post. Tone, gee whiz, she had to be, uh, forgetting the protest, she had to be tough at the end, didn't she? she? They were coming at her from absolutely everywhere. She looked like she was going to get run down there at one point, but um, she was as tough as they come. Yeah, she was really good. The, the lightweight definitely helped her, but she did have to you know, burn a bit of character early. She, there was a few horses just playing around the gates either side of her, and she was uncharacteristically just a touch slow out. Forced Ange have to do a little bit more work to get to where she probably was always going to get to, and that made her a little bit vulnerable late. So, albeit the margin was was slim on the line, Hatcher was making up good ground as were Ralphie out wide and another couple of horses there. But I thought she did a pretty good job because she she certainly had to burn the candle a bit early to get over outside lead. She arrived in your stable uh, with a, a seven start career and probably considered good fresh and a speedy type makes her own luck. Uh, but she's been good for you. She was just beaten by Hatchet first go, and then she won a midweek, a comfortable midweek, and then she won yesterday. Good fighting, courageous win. Is she exceeding your expectations? Yeah, probably not really. I, like, I didn't really know what to make of her when I got her. You're right, Dave. I, she used to race really well fresh up, and then she'd sort of taper off in her preparation, whether that was just immaturity or, or whatnot, I, I'm not sure. So we sort of made it a bit of an endeavour to space her runs out a little bit, and I'm glad we did from that first up run to second up. She was a little bit unlucky first up. When she jumped, she just knuckled a touch, and then she got racing, and another thing at big odds just took her on, and she was left the sitting shot for Hatchet that day at Doomman, and there's very little between those two mares, and I seem to always get a bit of a weight pull at the moment where my rating is, so that's probably why I've just got the bob in yesterday. But no, she's been a, a really good mare for a mare that used to train off in the preparation. She's holding form. She's holding weight really well. And she looks super. So I think she's really well placed here in Queensland. So, and you've de- developed a million uh, terrific horses yourself. But I reckon over the last two or three years, you've really gained or enhanced your reputation for getting these horses from down south and just getting wins out of them. I mean, clearly some of them are coming up and racing in a weaker class, I guess, in Brisbane. But what else is, is sort of the key to getting the best out of these new stable additions from down south? Oh, look. And you're right, it is a lesser grade. Sydney's racing every Saturday is really, really competitive, really tough. So 
know, she didn't have that Saturday form, but she certainly had good form around strong provincial area. So, um, look, I just think winning gets a bit infectious for them. If you can place them right, I feel that we can place our horses pretty well up here in Queensland, the way that our, our programming works. We can put our horses through their grades, you know, reasonably well before the handicapper gets a real good chance to get at them. So there's a few there's a few things in it. I don't think we do anything too special, but we get good support from, from Southern clients that send these sort of horses up and we seem to be able to do a good job with them. Does she keep going this campaign? Yeah, I think so. I think her rating doesn't sort of tell me I've got to stop just yet. No. There's a Phillies and Mares great series here for our Mares in the in the summer mm. and then the winter. I'd love to try and get some black type with that sort of the job with these Mares once you start winning Sunday races to get that black type. But I think we've got to get a rating up a touch more yet. So we'll look at what we can do through the next two or three weeks. You finished the Metro season on 140 and a half winners. An outstanding effort. It was a career best by you. And you tried to travel yesterday. Let's go to a, another of your wins. We'll go to race six and Freedom Rally. Uh, very promising, very exciting. A three-year-old was a long odds on favourite. Here's the replay. 600 metres left to run. Pocketful doing it his own way in front. We'll come to the turn leading from Sailor's Secret by a margin of three quarters. Vimadil third. Freedom Rally poised in fourth. Thompson ready to go. Desert Miss coming away from the rail. And at the head of the others was Northern Decree and Valentino Rock. In the home straight though, Pocketful he's riding him along. He generally responds. Sailor's Secret is going with him. And now Freedom Rally on the outside joined it all of a sudden and swept to the front. There goes the favourite. Freedom Rally burning away from Sailor's Secret. Pocketful can't go on, then Vimadil followed by Red Top, but Freedom Rally is far too good, and Freedom Rally bolting in, he's a good prospect, he beat over Red Top, Sailor's Secret, and then came Vimadil, Pocketful gave up, it was weak, then came Valentino Rock, followed by Desert Mist, and the last few over the line make it flashy, Sizzling Gal and Northern Decree. Takes me a little while to come to the table. I'm not a I'm not a bandwagon jumper, and uh, I think many who know will think of Antino will remember that. Um, Freedom Rally. Um, what, what? Where does he sit? The, the reason I pose this question to you: This is a strange time of year. It's a quiet time of year. I'm just wondering how much further this horse goes now. You were right with Antino because you knew Antino. You knew him better than I did. I, I only see the, the races and, and study the facts and figures. Tell me what you think of Freedom Rally. Yeah, I think he's pretty promising. Um, I, I do agree with this time of the year. You can get carried away with, with horses outside of Carnival, particularly at this period and probably over the next month in Brisbane. I, I still don't think the two races that he's won, the two Sunday races, I, I think they're, they're reasonably useful. Mm. I think the horses he's beat, I mean, pocket full was probably below his best yesterday, but he was some really good form around him. And that uh, horsey Kelly Swider's Volker Martini the other day that he beat, come out and won again straight after. I think they're useful horses. So I think his three-year-old races have been pretty competitive. I think it was scratching the surface with him. He's still working it all out. He just wanted to go a bit keen the first furlong and a half yesterday. We're getting pretty close to his trip there, 1,400. He possibly runs a mile. He's um he's a really promising horse. I, I don't know... Where he, where he fully sits yet, because I think he's he's really a work in progress. He's that year younger than a horse like Antino, and he's got a pretty bright future, this horse. I don't know what we do with him now. I've, I've got a few ideas. Uh, Peter Anastasia's got a few ideas. We'll sit down tomorrow. We'll try and come up with a plan that probably suits us both, and we'll know more about that after we chat tomorrow. So I, th- I think there's, there's some good races in him, uh, whether they're this preparation or they're later on. I think there are definitely some good races in him. Would the gateway be... Uh, <laughs> Uh, David just yeah. mentioned Antino, obviously, which unfortunately didn't win the gateway. <laughs> Would the gateway be potentially an ideal race for this horse to get a Strabroad ticket six months out and then see where you end up with him? Yeah, look, if, if I probably had my perfect option, that would be it for sure. Yeah, I'd set him on a gateway path and, and whatnot. But look, there's a, a bunch of other races around now. He's up and going. He's only 4-1. So when he turns four, obviously, in a couple of days' time, there's a couple of really nice four-year-old races as well. So, look, I'm just not sure what, what we do with him yet. But, yeah, in a perfect world, Ben, you're right. I think the gateway is a terrific race for him, track and trip, same as you saw yesterday. And it'd be awfully hard to beat in a race like that. Tony, I was away for the major part of, of this month, but I was watching the times at Eagle Farm and uh, over the past few meetings, they've been slower than I yeah. would expect for the track rating. But the reason I come to I'd... this is, the reason I come to this is, this horse yesterday ran 123.13. Last 600 leaded to win a 34.38. So he's probably run sub 34 and he's got down to 123.13. They're good figures for, for the way this track is playing with the times. 
Yep, he ran a good time the other day too in the 1,200 there on the day, comparable as well. I, look, I know the stewards are probably listening. I don't know if they're listening to the show or not, but they're not rating the track right. It's it's softer mm. than what they're, than what they're putting it out. That's evident. It's been like that since Tastiara Day. It's holding moisture. It's a beautiful track. It's given horses, every horse getting their chance, but it's not a true good four. So it's certainly got the cut in it early in the meeting. It's drying out as the day goes on a touch, but it's holding moisture and it's, it's a softer track. But he's running good time, comparable to times on the day. It's hard to compare them to what we've seen on this track over the previous years because it's a different beast now. It's very kind on horses now, which which is, I think, it's a really good track now, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, you're right. He's running good times. He ran good time the other day and he backed it up again yesterday. As you can see, he's still learning. He doesn't really know what it's all about yet. So once he, once the penny really drops, he's, he's pretty exciting. I'll, I'll just uh, extend that point because other people have said the same thing to me, that the track is retaining moisture more. It, would that be a seasonal thing because it's winter? Not sure. I, you have to ask Jimmy Roberts there about. I, I just, I just imagine that the top layer, the thatch component of our of our criteria tracks, is probably retaining a bit of moisture. It's not getting through as quick as what, it, what it used to. Which I think is a good thing, to be honest. It's getting more to the, the track that we wanted. You know, big, mm. big circumference and a track that's got that natural given it that's that's probably a lot closer to what we got across the road in Dermot. So, you know, historically this time of the year we don't see horses running blinding time. No. You know, we're into a, we're into a winter. They're, they're what you call what I refer to them as a winter good for, but. I think the track's clearly racing closer to a five, definitely a five early in the meeting, you know, if not a six the other day. Penno was very close to what it was. The last meeting there and the times were similar, so I just think they've got to rate it. They've got to put it out a five. They won't put up a four because it's not a four early. Interesting comments. Let's uh, go to the third of your treble yesterday, and this is one on the way up as well. Blue Spinell, Ange Jones rode for you, and she was the $5 favourite in a wide betting race. Heading for home, 400 left to run. Debzelli, can she see out the 1200? Burnish Gold under the big weight coming after her. Then bold and smooth. Blue Spinell joining in. On point, looming up as well. A little one to right down the outside. Iron Grace getting up near the fence, but Blue Spinell shot to a clear lead with 100 metres left to go. From on point, then Queen Assassin, shape and power. Blue Spinell's in front, she's all out. April Assassin trying hard. Shape and power charging. Too late, sister. Blue Spinell beat shape and power. Iron Grace, fourth eye, the little one. Or April and Augusta, followed then by set bounce on point, then bold and smooth. At the head of the others was Blazing Love, Deb Zelly, and Burnish Gold pulled up very quickly. May have got a touch too keenly and ran last. I suppose the first question to put to you is one I put to you about Black on Beauty. Uh, Blue Spinell now three on the bounce. Uh, is she exceeding expectations? Yeah, she is. I said to Michael Collins, the owner and breeder there yesterday, I said, I think we'd be at Eagle Farm with her as a as a favourite and a three-year-old handicap on a, on a Saturday last preparation that's for sure we sort of give her a long spell and we really wanted to see a lift this time in because she just she always gives a nice feel but she just was very fragile very weak so we give her a good break and rode her a bit quieter in the trials this time we are pleasantly surprised with how she was going as far as you know maiden into a lower grade benchmark race on a Wednesday um, but she's been great she went up to Rocky she handled that trip well and just these young fillies I think you get them winning it's, it's very infectious for them and she, she's always going to get a lovely run yesterday because she's put herself in a good spot, relaxes, and she's got a bloody good turn of foot. She she went and touched early on her hands, actually. She was in the nervous 90s there with the claim, I think, a couple to go, and she, she went a bit early on that filly, and she did a good job to hang on late. But she's going really, really well. Well, Tane, I guess, uh, you know, on behalf of this show and also, um, you know, the, the wider racing community and punning public in Queensland, congratulations uh, on your 10th. And, you know, sort of sort of rolls off the tongue, that, doesn't it? Your 10th consecutive city training uh, premiership. That's extraordinary stuff. I know you've got good stock and and a big barn, but that's a terrific effort. Uh, thanks for all your time on this show as well. You've been terrific. And with me, um, you know, at the Career Mail, can I just ask you, what was your particular highlight of this racing season for you? Was it one performance? Was it a group of performances? Was it, a, was it an up-and-coming horse you've got that you think is going to do big things in spring? What was it? Oh, the highlight for me was the Magic Beans. It meant a yep. hell of a lot. So, yeah, winning that with Skirt the Law was like, I don't know, I was feeling like a bit of a griller on my back that race. I'd, I'd won races on that day, you know, for quite a while now. But to win that race was, was something, I think, as a, as a team, as a, as a business, we're, we're all awfully proud of. So that's definitely the highlight for the year for me. But there's been so many nice horses, a bit of a change in the garden our stable this year. A few of the older ones have got to their mark and gone off to the breeding barn, et cetera. And, and then we've got these lovely crop of young, you know, refreshing horses coming through with your Antinos and, and Skirt the Law. So we're in a fortunate position. We've got a terrific bunch of clients behind us. And I've got a, a really good, great group of staff that 
to do a brilliant job for us. So, look, we're in a fortunate position, but I mean, David gave me a bit of a wake up this time last year that I was I was slipping a little bit. So, Still. we've had a head down Stop and a bum up, up this year. Uh, well, we had to, like we were. Our last year wasn't as good as what what it could have been, and we were able to rectify a few things. And I think we can do better again next year. Uh, ten Metro Premierships. I heard you talking with my colleague Stephen Hewlett yesterday on Racing HQ Saturday, and Steve put the question or posed the question: You know, anything else happening? Uh, wider horizons. You you played your cards pretty close to your chest, and, and I understand that because Hewlett tells everyone everything. You can't you can't trust him. You can trust me. You can trust me. So you tell me now. No one else is listening. What are are those plans? Give us oh, a, give us a little hint. Uh, there are some plans, but look, we're very entrenched here in Queensland, but I think we can get a bit bigger here and we can do things a bit better. So uh, stay tuned for the future. I think the stable's going to get a little bit bigger, which I think suits us. We're a little bit hamstrung for room at the moment. So I think we can you know, develop our team a bit a bit bigger and a bit better and hopefully have a better 2023-24 season than what we've had this year. And just one final, not question, but one final comment. You made mention of this yesterday, and you've alluded to it with our discussion this morning. You do have a great team, a great mix of experience and youth, and you all seem to get on well together. So you're in a really good place at the moment, I'm sure. Yeah, we are. Look, you know, I'm in a great place with a young family here where I am, and I've got a brilliant mob of staff. Uh, you know, obviously, Craig Kavanagh's my assistant. I've known him since I was a boy, since I was the age of my kids nearly. So he's a great help, and there's all the young kids there that, that do a great job as well. Claire Bird, my sister in the office as well. So there's a bunch of people there. We have we've got a good mix of... Of, of older statesmen and, and younger youth coming through the stable, and everyone does get along well. And the stable's in a really good place, but like I said, we don't rest in our laurels. We there's no off season for us. We get the job done today, and then the new season starts Wednesday. Have you got any runners at the Sunshine Coast today? I've just got one in today. One up in the maiden there. She's at two eighty or something. Favorite, I think. She run quite well. What's her name? Queen of Thoughts. Queen of Thoughts. Good on you, mate. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Here is Tony Gollum joining us, uh, completing. Uh... A great season, uh, but as he said, and, and quite rightfully so, the next day is just a new day. We, then they start all over again. It's a 24-7 business. But my uh, bold prediction, remember last year I told you my bold prediction that he'd exceed his Metro wins from last year? Well, mine's done and dusted. What was yours again? I don't even remember what your bold prediction was. Uh, probably some horse that I thought was going to be a superstar that just went pop and couldn't win a maiden or something. Oh, I can't remember myself. Uh, but, uh, look, he, he has had a, a great season. Uh, I know he doesn't like talking about it, but um, his win, wins on the Metro front, on the state front, uh, exceeding uh, his, all of his previous years. And um, yeah, interesting comments there, uh, expanding, it sounds like, maybe within Queensland, maybe setting up another stable in another part of Queensland or, or south-east Queensland. Yeah, I might have to get onto that this week and see if I could uh, nudge his ribs a bit and find out what's going on. Let's have a listen to some of the other races at Eagle Farm yesterday. We'll go to race four. This was a strong class three, and many expected that Kanazawa would be too classy for them. He ran the favourite. The straight below the 400 metres, Outback Action Land from Hasten the Line. Here comes Kanazawa, looming large on the outside, three wide outside the pair. Amathuba just behind them, and then a gap to Big Short heading the others. Hasten the Line on the outside and Outback Action. Kanazawa slowly but surely hitting top gear. Hasten the Line not giving in though. Hasten the Line kicking. Kanazawa's all out. Hasten the Line in front and one. Big Kanazawa every possible. Third was Outback Action, fourth Big Short, then Sunset Soiree, followed by by Amathuba Yangari. Then came Ayahuasca Dramatica. I am lethal and super gorgeous. Finished at the tail end of the field. Well, Peter Robel set up shop at the Gold Coast uh, a few months ago. He's only got a small team in work. We haven't seen a lot of his horses at the track, but this fellow's certainly uh, making good inroads. He's uh, a rising four-year-old. He's only had the five starts. He's won four of them. He was only beaten once. That was at Wyong, but since arriving in southeast Queensland, Peter took him to Wollombar. One, went to Ipswich, one, and that was a strong class three yesterday, and he beat a horse who's got a pretty good rap on him, Kanazawa bit. Yeah, absolutely, and there was some money for him. I think it was back from 14s or 13s and a $9. But I I sense this win actually meant a bit to Peter Robel. Just, you know, he's a, I don't know, emerging trainer's the wrong word. He's been around for a while. But but I suppose, you know, he's just craving a a breakthrough win or or a good horse or... You know, and something to really hang his hat on with this uh, move up here. And um, this horse owned by Upper Bloodstock, I noted with interest after the race, he said, look, 
this meant a lot because these guys, these owners, are basically the main reason I moved to the Gold Coast. So, um, yeah, terrific stuff. And let's hope we see more winners from Peter Robel because he's a terrific racing man. Kanazawa had his chance, but, but in hindsight, maybe the winner is a pretty smart horse. Time will tell. Let's go to the last race of the day. Good betting race. They came for three runners here. Kinlock, Canadian Dancer and Release the Beans. And they trifected the race, but it was a desperately close finish as we'll hear. Up to the turn of the last, 500 left to Rana, and Sawarik is going to try and do it all of the way. Canadian Dancer breathing down his neck, then broken hero Paladas. Release the beans, called upon then never no more. Safe work near the inside. Out wide of Renouf and Hot Spring Gold running on strongly. Sawarik was Gonzo, and Canadian Dancer ran to a clear lead. Paladas was trying hard, then released the beans, but still Canadian Dancer in front from Paladas. Release the beans, and now Kinlock is starting to flush down the outside. Canadian Dancer in front. Canadian Dancer needs the post, Kinlock flew, Fano, Canadian Dancer or Kinlock driving late from Release the Beans and Paladas. They're followed then by Renouf, never no more, more than number one. Then came Safe Work, Fleetwood Macca, followed by Mob Buster, Broken Hero, Hot Spring Gold, Tara Jasmine and Sir Warwick folded up and ran last. She's been sparingly raced, Canadian Dancer. She's rising five of Vancouver Mayor. That was her 13th start for her fourth win yesterday. She was second up, Ben Thompson, Riding double, and uh, of course, Steve O'Day and Matt Hoisted in training partnership. And they rarely put up nose margins these days, it's generally a short half head. But this was a nose, was desperately close, Ben. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you called it well, David. But look, um, something different, I think, here from Canadian Dancer, too. This is a mare that, look, traditionally we've been used to seeing getting back, I'm not saying well back, but getting sort of midfield and, and sort of running on. But uh, I didn't. You know, maybe you did, I don't know, but I didn't expect to see her leading this. But uh, when she was with 53.5 kilos on her back, uh, she was probably always going to prove hard to run down. So that was, gee, the proven thoroughbreds team, haven't they had a good season? And this just continues it. Yeah, ex- exactly right, exactly right. That was the action at Eagle Farm yesterday. We go to Doombin on Wednesday. We're back at Eagle Farm next Saturday. Let's turn our attention now to Morfordville in Adelaide, their, their last Metro meeting of the season. It's traditionally the listed Lightning Stakes. An interesting race. It's a combination of two- and three-year-olds over the 1,000 metres. There was a sensation even before the start to let them go with the favourite exploring. Found to be lame by the vet, I think, in the off-four leg and was a late scratching. was a short-price favourite, so there were hefty deductions, but here's the race. Mintu Lee scorching the grass leads by about three quarters to Nastraya. Keeping deep is Bubble Palace as they stride to the home bend, followed by La Donceuse Rouge and then declared Ice Symphony. The next one is sweetened in company with as they swing for home social conscience. The leader is now Bubble Palace taking over from Mintu Lee and Nastraya. La Donceuse Rouge closing in with declared, then sweetened right down the outside. 16 reasons. La Donceuse Rouge Swept to the lead, La Donceuse Rouge closing in, sweetened and bookish, but it's La Donceuse Rouge for the Lightning. Three quarters over, sweetened and bookish. Then a gap away to 16 reasons. Bubble Palace tired. Ice Symphony declared Wally West, and then Floral Oasis from Social Conscience. Rockstar Megzi, Nostria weakened out of it, along with Mintu Lee, and the favourite was scratched at the gates, exploring. Certainly was, but La Donceuse Rouge was successful. Jake Noonan riding and uh, this Manhattan Rain filly. She's rising four. It's great for uh, owners and trainers and connections to get black type against a, a filly or a mare's name. And she earned listed status or black type status with that listed victory yesterday. Cliff Brown is her trainer. He's joining us now on Past the Post. Cliff, good morning. Morning, morning. How are you, David? Yeah, well, thank you. And... Uh, Always a great result uh, if you if you train around a, a filly or a mare to, to get black type and you set her for this race first up and she's delivered. So it's a good result, isn't it? Oh, it's tremendous. Look, she'd, she'd been group placed a couple of times over the spring and so that that was great in itself. We were pleased. She'd won a race in town, but to win a stakes race, as you've already said, is great. And, and the guy, uh, Imperial Bloodstock, they've got the mother as well and a, and a few other siblings, so it's tremendous. Just take us back. I noticed just looking at her form... It says that uh, she was originally, I think, before she raced with Brett Kavanagh. What's the background story to her? Yeah, sure. So she was um, the mother Margot was purchased by Josh McLaughlin, and she had a beautiful pedigree out of England at the Ready to Run sales. And she went to Singapore to race. She wasn't such a good racehorse, but 
she had a lovely pedigree and when she was retired, my father, who'd, who'd bred a lot of good horses, was, was still alive then. And and Rod said, get your dad to do the pedigree. And he did. And the stallion he came up with uh, for Margot was, was Manhattan Rain. So that's how she went there. And and from that point, I was training for Rod, who owned her in uh, in Singapore. Mm. And when I moved back, that's how, how I became um, came to train her. Fair enough. And as you mentioned, too... Um... Uh, she just missed out of, I think it was the uh, the Red Roses in the spring last year. That was a Group 3 race and just beaten in that race. Yeah, she was. She ran very well. Uh, she was beating the nose. So, you know, that would have been a great a great thing as well. But, look, it's, uh, it's turned out well. And she's still got plenty of racing left in her. She's, she's very lightly raced. She's a big, strong girl. And today, uh, sorry, yesterday was good. And hopefully she can keep, keep training on. Any significant uh, or any anything on the agenda specifically in the next few months for her? No, look, nothing nothing specific at all. You know, we may just go back to an, an everyday Saturday race next time. Um, mm. There's no nothing specific. We'll just see how she is when she gets home this afternoon and I'll give her a few days in the paddock or send her to the water treadmill and um, and then we'll go again. We saw you up here up our way during the, the winter with the Inferno. What's his story at the moment? Yeah, listen, he's... Um, He's with Barry Lockwood now. He's okay. just doing some pre-training there. And he'll come down to me in the next week or two. Barry, I'd never met Barry before. And uh, before I went up and I stayed with Barry, and oh, he was the most lovely person you could meet. So I couldn't be happier sending it to him. I'm glad you make that point, uh, particularly because you said you never met him. I bet after meeting him only once, you said this is a good bloke. Oh, champion. Champion <laughs> bloke. Yeah, listen... He really is just a nice man, isn't he? And nothing was ever a problem. And nah, true gentleman. Give him a drink, and he'll tell you a few good stories too. And they're all true. Well, look, we had a few dinners, <laughs> and uh, and it was they were great stories. Yeah, and he knows everybody everywhere you go. He knows someone. So, no, a really modest, uh, modest man, and a very clever man. Yeah, the, the, the way he talks and the stories he tells, and as I said, they're all true. You think he's a hundred years of age, but he's not. But he's he's packed a lot into a into the life so far, and still many years to go. What about yourself? How's the team going there at, at, at Mornington? Look, it's been one of those things, David. You come back, and uh, we brought you know seven horses back with us. We retired one pretty soon after. We were down to six, and they were the old boys, and and they've done a great job for us. You know, they've kept us alive, really. And the ones we bought were the first group coming through as two-year-olds were Yaffet, and he did a good job. A couple of others, Place of Gold, and that, they've, they've done well. And really, it's only now that these two-year-olds that we have, or about to turn three, that we've bought since we've been home, uh, they're running really well, and, and there's some lovely horses amongst them. Hope it all goes well with Ladon Struge, and, and good luck overall. Thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks, thanks. Have a good day. There he is, Cliff Brown, of course, based at Mornington. Took Ladon Struge across to Adelaide, was able to get black-type victory via the lightning stakes at listed level. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Don't forget the website, archerparkracing.com.au. All the information's there, all the horses available for sale. You can buy as much or as little as you want. We'll take a break and back to look at racing in Sydney at Royal Randwick yesterday. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Good four-track rating at Royal Ramwick yesterday for the 10 event. Mogo Magic was attempting to keep his unbeaten record intact, but there were a few knockers, there were a few doubters. He was short in early markets, but in the end he got out to $2.90. He was the favourite. Here's how he fared. Authentic Jewels, 350 metres to run. A link clear from Mogo Magic. Nick Hayward popped the question now to the favourite. And now Mogo Magic draws level with Authentic Jewel. Two lengths away to Vindication. Then came no statement. Tin Turkey's making some ground. Mogo Magic trying to beat off Authentic Jewel. Vindication stays on. Mogo Magic in front. And the Magic Show continues. Five out of five for Mogo Magic. Holding off Vindication and smashing Eagle rattling home. No idea about fourth IQ, Tintooki, uh, Eastern Glow, Diamond Dealer wide out. They got to Authentic Jewel late, then no statement, and Rebel Dean. A lot to like about this win of Mogo Magic for a number of reasons. Um, one, uh, we become accustomed to him uh, going to the front and leading all of the way. He wasn't the best away yesterday, but then he gathered his speed, but he had to sit outside Lee, but he was still too good for them. I'm sure a man who was very delighted with that was his trainer, Scott Collings, and he's joining us now. Scott, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, we spoke uh, about a month ago, just after he won that race uh, four weeks ago, 
But I'm sure yesterday, as I mentioned before we listened to the replay, you'd be delighted because there were a few saying, well, he's up in class, you know, uh, this, that and the other. And he didn't lead either. He sat outside the lead. So for you, a very satisfying performance. Yeah, no, it was very satisfying yesterday to see him come out of country grade um, into benchmark grade in the city with with 60 kilos and and not lead and, and still be able to win. No, it was a fantastic effort. I think it's been well reported, Scott. There were some uh, big offers, I think, to uh, potentially sell this guy. How close do you know was he? Was that seriously entertained? That you know, we're talking million dollar offers potentially. Was that ever going to eventuate, or did the owners just want to enjoy the ride at this point with this guy? Uh, no, it come right down to the wire. Um, it actually come down to a vote with the ownership group. Um, and the vote ended up swinging the way of um, keeping the horse and racing on. So, yeah, no, it was come right down to the wire. So we saw him win that race first up on the 1st of July. He wins yesterday. Uh, I know the ultimate aim is, is the Kosciuszko, which is at 1,200 metres. So where do we head next time with Mogo Magic? What's the plan? Um, we not we haven't really sort of nutted that out a hundred percent yet, but you know, more than likely he will he will have another run before the Kosciuszko, um, and probably another trial, um, you know, to fit him up for his run before um on distance and when that is, um, we haven't quite nutted that out yet. I'm assuming, Scott, a trainer like yourself would just dream of getting a horse like this guy. Tell us a bit of his backstory, how you came to have him, his breeding, uh, what he was like early days. Just give us a bit of an insight into him. Um, When I was in a trainer's partnership with Keith Dryden, um, Keith and I actually trained um, Mogo Magic's mother. Um, So I knew his mother quite well. And then later on, when I'd finished the partnership with Keith, um, a friend of mine and a good client, um, Scott Henman, seen her on English Digital for sale as a broodmare. Um, so he rang me and got me thoughts and ended up buying her for uh, 4500 and then sent it to Dewport, which was only 5000 and that's how we ended up with Mogo Magic. Well, how are we? And the most important question to ask for all of our listeners who are asking, where is Mogo? <laughs> uh, it's it's a little little township down near um, down near Maria, um, but he got his name not anything to do with the town. It's because his mum's name was Zoo Magic, um, so you know with the zoo Mogo's Mogo's got a quite a big country zoo down there. So oh, they um, come so they come up with the name um, Mogo Magic. I, didn't, uh, I wouldn't, have, wouldn't have picked that in a million years. I thought it was just named after the town. So. Uh, that's very interesting. Hey, look... Yeah, um, named, named after the zoo in the town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thanks for being with us this morning. Uh, this, is a, a, this is a good story. Uh, nothing's gone wrong. Fingers crossed it keeps uh, going along the right path and we see you at the Kosciuszko. Thanks for being with us this morning, Scott. Thank you, thank you. Scott Collings joining us, the trainer of Mogo Magic. And he's firmly in control of affairs here, Ben. He'll know when the horse starts next. They they play their cards pretty close to their chest, but they're doing everything right, and so is the horse as well. He just keeps going to that next level. Yeah, these are the ho- these are the stories that make racing, aren't they? Like, uh, you know, I know we've got the, the million-dollar, you know, Colts and, and the, you know, the big-time trainers in the city, um, but, the you know, the boutique country trainer uh, who gets a horse like this that he just dreams of, and let's face it, every stable needs a good horse, don't they? And this is his, and... You know what? Uh, $6 in the Kosciuszko. Can he win? Well, you certainly wouldn't rule it out. He's as tough as old boots. He's up near the lead. He's giving his all. And Nick Hayward seems to know him like the back of his hand. 100%. No, I think he, he, he silenced a few doubters. I wouldn't say knockers. That's a bit too harsh. There were a few doubters, and, and understandably so. He was going out of that highway grade. He had 60 kilos to carry. But the fact that he did it and didn't lead, he actually had to sit outside and lead, I think was a class-proving performance. Let's go to another race uh, from Royal Rabbit yesterday. Insurrection lined up as the favourite in the following race after Mogo Magic. Insurrection held together by Lloyd. Turns the corner a length in front of Rubenocchi. Garrison stoked up, running on well. Curriol going up the fence and two lengths away to Curtis Island. Insurrection really being tested now by Garrison. Curriol on the rails. Uh, further back to Depot running on. Insurrection kicking. Insurrection kept going. And that wraps up the apprentice's title for Zach Lloyd. Insurrection makes it three in a row, beating Curriol. Depot third, Garrison fourth, followed by Curriol. 
Curtis Islander, then came in for Park running on World the Import, further back to Fox Fighter, Rupertar, Rubenocki weakened out, Conscript never travelled, and Samut was last in. We mentioned at the top of the show this battle between Jimmy Orman and Aaron Bullock has created a lot of attention, but so too has the uh, Sydney Metro Apprentices title uh, between Zach Lloyd and Dylan Gibbons. And as Darren pointed out in the broadcast there, that wrapped it up with Insurrection winning. Zach Lloyd finishes the season on with 76 Metropolitan wins, Dylan Gibbons on 72. But I think just as importantly, uh, Lloyd on 76, running second to James McDonald in the Metro Senior Premiership, McDonald on 96. So Zach's done a terrific job and he's been good enough to join us this morning. Zach, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Absolute pleasure, and it has been a wonderful season. There's been a lot of talk, a lot of a lot of rivalry, friendly rivalry, which which should be pointed out. But you must be very proud of your efforts this season. Yeah, it was a fantastic season. It definitely exceeded my expectations, and happy it's kind of all come to the end because the last few weeks were a bit stressful. But yeah, it's, um, I'm very happy with myself, and happy I could get the job done for obviously my family and for myself. You mentioned your family there, Zach. I'd imagine as much it was a wonderful personal moment for you. It was a wonderful family moment there with your mum and dad there yesterday. Um, take us through that. Did that make you a bit emotional seeing them there? And also, I suppose, obviously, just growing up as the son of a jockey, were you always going to be a jockey? Yeah, I was. It was always in my mind. Obviously, that video that's circulating of me riding the couch when I was like three. Um, <laughs> yeah, yesterday was... I don't normally cry, but... When I saw my mum, she was bawling her eyes out, and that made me a touch emotional. But I kept it together, so it was good. Yeah, exactly. the The other significant part of your career that's happened within the last year was the the, the joining with Godolphin. That also must have been a very special moment in your what's a very young career, very a fledgling career. Yeah, as you, as you state, uh, that's when it all it all started. Obviously, the move from Queensland to Sydney for Godolphin. And, that was a massive, massive moment for me, and I, I, I really was excited with the, for the opportunity. And it couldn't have gone any better. I've, I've done very well for them, and they're very good people to ride for. Um, James is is very easy to ride for. He's good to speak to. Obviously, Darren helps me a lot, and he's improved my riding tremendously. And Vin Cox, he's also in the in in the background. Like I don't speak to him much. He's a bit higher up in importance, but. He gave me a good call yesterday, and it was good to speak to him. So that move is very, that move's really helped me, and it's put me in good stead going forward. And hopefully, I can continue to build a relationship with them because yeah, there's no one better to work for. Zach, you mentioned Darren there, obviously Darren Beedman. Um, what a thrill for a young jockey like yourself working alongside someone like Darren Beedman, obviously a superstar yeah. of the saddle. Um, is there one particular bit of advice or mentoring or, or even, you know, it might not even be to do with riding, it might just be to do with how you conduct yourself, how you deal with with, with the press even? Like, or is, is there something that he's really imparted on you? Yeah, most definitely the, the, the press part. Um, he's he's always instilled in me since I first got here to conduct myself well and I'm, I'm a face for Godolphin now. And whatever I do, it's not just on me, it's on obviously the brand of Godolphin as well. So I've had to be very cautious in the way I conduct myself and what I do outside of racing um and yeah happily I haven't messed it up yet so it's been it's, it's been very good and and not, yeah couldn't have had it any better I mentioned uh, 76 metropolitan wins was there a win for you in the in the in the year or the season that stood out for you or a, a horse in particular that you got a lot of time for um any any win in the, in the blue colors has been very special to me I, take a lot of pride putting those colours on every race meeting. Um, but obviously, the, 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 my last horse, Insurrection, he, he's been a great horse to me, three on the trot in, in a very crucial time of the season. So um, while, while I rode a group two, that, that was very special for, obviously, Mr Hawks. He's been a good supporter of mine throughout the whole season, and he had a lot of faith in me early on in the season when not a lot of people did. So uh, it's, it's it's been great for a lot of, lot of trainers I've had a lot of support from, so... Probably couldn't narrow it down to one. It's probably been more, even more extraordinary that you've won the title, given you came to to Sydney a couple of months into the season, and you've obviously had you know a raft of suspensions along the way. Have you had to sort of sit down and and analyse your riding a little bit with some of those suspensions? Have you changed anything? Um, was there anything that you, you sort of thought you know 
well, we have been doing this wrong, or we're too competitive, or, or what was it? Do you think? Yeah, most definitely. Well, as you said, I come here. I came here, and I think I think it was June, um, and just started in the provincial circuit, trying to build connections with trainers, um, and then obviously eventuated into the metropolitan scene mid September, but only doing Wednesday meetings. Um, I definitely, once I was getting a, a lot of those suspensions, I really sat down. Sorry, cho- uh, spoke to obviously my dad and and Darren a lot and they just said I need to relax I'm just trying too hard I was I was panicking when I was in behind horses and just wanting to get out um so I definitely had to sit back and have a good look at myself because the, the suspensions you can't keep getting them and um luckily the last month or two I've been very good and much more relaxed and I think it's showing in my riding horses I'm I'm riding a lot better races from behind so um while it was a hard time getting all those suspensions. It, it's probably helped me immensely going forward. Great to talk to you. Congratulations. But like uh, all of the, the people we've been speaking to who've, who've won premierships, whether it's trainers or jockeys, it all starts again tomorrow. So it's just another another day, isn't it? It just starts all over again. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird feeling. It's, it's just a clean slate Wednesday. So um, right back into it, and hopefully I can go back to back in the apprentice title because that'll be something I'm aiming for. How long have you got the claim for? Oh, four winners left. Four left. Yeah. Yeah. That'll, that'll go pretty smartly. Thanks for being with us this morning, Zach. All right. Thank, thanks very much. Thanks for having me on, guys. Zach Lloyd joining us. And, uh, Ben, what a well-mannered young gentleman. Yeah, that was what I took out of that. I haven't had, I've had a bit to do with his brother, Jaden, in Brisbane. I haven't had much to do with Jack. Gee, he was a pleasure to talk to. You can see he's going to go a long way in the saddle. He's very talented. And I, and I love the fact that... You know, when we asked him there about the the, the suspensions and whatever, he, you know, he was reflective, wasn't he? And he said, yep, I was stuffing up. I was doing this. I was doing that. I, I, I've fixed it. So, look, no one's perfect in life, especially a young kid, you know, riding in the bright lights of Sydney. Wow, we haven't you got the spotlight on you. But good to see him learning all the way. And as I said uh, off the top, what a wonderful family moment for that entire family. I'd imagine his brother too, Jaden, riding in Brisbane, uh, who we know from riding in Brisbane, would have been absolutely tickled pink for his brother. Let's have a listen to one more race from Rambic yesterday. This was the ninth event, and the favourite was Stone Coat at three dollars ninety. Favourite in front, Stone Coat, at the six fifty by a half now on Silent Agenda, followed by King of the Castle on the inside. A kiss, the bride of Mustadia Mustaya, given a bit of rain now, moves up into a three-wide position, and McAvoy starts to rev it up. Further back to Battle and Tazaro. Tazalo uh, gets onto its back as they turn for home. It's Stonecoat in front from Silent Agenda. Stonecoat wound up now from Silent Agenda sticking to the task. King of the Castle in third, followed by Battleland coming off heels and Tazaro starting to wind up wide out. It's Stonecoat, Tazaro wide out and now King of the Castle uh, drives through the middle. King of the Castle and Tazaro fighting it out. King of the Castle and Tazaro and Tazaro goes back to back. Cesaro knocked off King of the Castle, Stonecoat third. Photo fourth between Battleton and Silent Agenda, followed then by Athabaskan, Estadio Mistea from Super Pursuit, Bazooka, Kiss the Bride, Casino Kid. Yes, Tazaro, as Darren pointed out, back-to-back, won at Randwick first up a fortnight ago and successful again yesterday for Team Snowden, Peter and Paul Snowden. Chad Schofield had the ride. That was the, they were the highlights at Royal Randwick yesterday, but clearly the the highlight being Zach Lloyd taking that apprentice's title after such a keen battle with Dylan Gibbons, who certainly deserves a more than honourable mention. He's a great young rider as well. Uh, ben, we're closing in on the, the end of past the post. Mooney Valley, the valley yesterday. Now, we hadn't raced there since March. The rail was in the five-metre position. I tried to gauge an opinion from some of our former experts, and they were suggesting that uh, with the rail out five metres being near the lead and near the rail would be advantageous or would be preferable. They were certainly weren't wrong. No, I've seen a few bias tracks in Sydney in my time, but that was, as I said off the top of the show, that was borderline ridiculous yesterday. I don't think it was good for anyone. Uh, it wasn't good for for punters. I, I, well, having said that, I mean, I suppose if you if you did your form, once you saw the way the track was playing, maybe you could have made a bit of, bit of money. But look, I think the best example of the whole day, really, and, and quite frankly, it was bordering on farce, was I think it was in race five when there was a I think the horse's name was Irish Flame. It was eighty or ninety to one, and it it found the front, and it was dead set absolutely Gavinonsky about six or seven hundred metres from home. It couldn't lift its legs, 
but yeah, kicked on the you know finished second and almost win. Like it was just it was just crazy stuff. And look, oh, you feel a bit bad, sort of you know one meeting. I'm sure it will improve and they'll move the rail around. But look, you've got to call it as as you see it, and that was just poor for racing yesterday. I thought, David, what did you think? Yeah, no, I totally agree, and not much more I can say. I think you've summed it up. Uh... Uh, to perfection. And let's have a listen to that race you just mentioned, uh, the race that Irish Flame was in. The favourite was um, Milford, $3. What have I done here now? Race five at Mooney Valley. Approaching the corner at the 500 metres, Junipel up on the inside has gone to the front. It's Junipel pinching a length and a quarter. Pashiro follows it through, followed by Sir Davy under sufferance. Next in the field, Jimmy the Bear. He's out and the summit tracks up behind them. Junipel around the corner at the 200 metres, led by about a length and a half. Pashiro in hot pursuit. Junipel had the wobbles round the corner. The summit, Jimmy the Bear late the outside. Junipel in the shadows from the summit who's coming hard. Junipel, the summit's going to make a lunge. They hit it. I think the summit, maybe. Photo finish, the summit or Junipel. Then interpretation through the line in a photo for third with Jimmy the Bear. Next o'clock in, Pashiro and Frankie Pino, Sosi Bon Royal Mile, Sir Davy, and towards the back, Bull Finch. Urban Oasis has dropped right away, and Chief Altony, a bad last. No, Matt Hill wasn't calling the wrong race. It was me going to the wrong race. That was the Travis Harrison Cup. But Junipel, this was a classic case of a horse who's been out of form with an $18 shot, railed like a greyhound, only got caught late by the summit. And this was a blowout for punters, Ben. $17 the summit for Ben and J.D. Hayes, Mickey D. having the right. $18 Junipel and $21 interpretation. Yeah, the summit certainly improved markedly, um, I guess, between runs. Uh, raced well yesterday. This horse, interestingly, has raced all over the world. Um, I think started its career in England, went to Hong Kong, had a bowed tendon at one stage, uh, had a couple of years, maybe even two and a half years off the racing scene. So, look, I couldn't have backed this horse from what I saw the previous start and, you know, given the history and the injury history and whatever, but um, good on Lindsay Park. Um, but, look... As I said earlier, I think we've probably got to take some of this form or a lot of this form from this race day with a grain of salt going forward because it's just too hard to work out, really. Treated in isolation. Let's go to race at our last replay for past the post today. Defiant Diva was well fancied. Ran the favourite 260. Around the turn. So it's Lady Court Delicious Tycoon. Lavore hung, hung around that corner as well under sufferance. Is still kicking. She's brave at the 150. Lavore and Lady Court together, followed by Delicious Tycoon. It's Lady Court and Lavore. Lavore's kicked. Lavore looked under pressure at the 400, but kicked and won. That's a brave win from in second Lady Court. And then came Delicious Tycoon and sweeping up on the inside Shandon Burge. Next, Lazuka Arctica, Passione, and then then came to find Diva. Next in the field, Bellini Miss, and then well back in the field was to finish in the race Silver Reno. Yeah, Lavore winning, Nicky Berg training, and Craig Williams riding. That was the action, or some of the action, at the Valley yesterday. What's your plans now? Better run around the block. What are you going to do? Uh, well, while we've been talking, I've, I've had a uh, bacon egg burger delivered to me, which I've, it's been sitting in front of me. It's been winking at me, David, for about the last 20 minutes, so I'm going to get off air and I'm going to absolutely demolish it, old son. Get into it. We've got plenty to talk about on Press Room tomorrow. You'll join me then. Thanks, mate. Thanks, David. Ben Dorries joining me on Past the Post. Thanks for your company as well. Great to be back on Past the Post, and we'll do it all again next Sunday. But as I said, Press Room tomorrow morning, plenty to talk about. Enjoy your day. Bye-bye.